stuff themselves. <laughs> so fat and satisfied. So fat and satisfied. These days will end. There will be no rules going forward. So we got a scars guard. That's My all God. we need. People yeah. Are standing up. That's what a reckoning sounds like. Mm -hmm. Ooh, baby. And you know what a reckoning to a reckoning sounds like? Wookie leaks! You know it, baby. Welcome back to New Rockstars. Star Wars Andor is coming August 31st. Actually, the first two episodes are supposed to drop on that day. And we now have a complete understanding of who all the key players are, including a new droid and a new planet, making us now wonder, what is the mystery mission that Andor will initially be working towards in this first season that will make him a fully-fledged member of the Rebellion? You'll get this rebellion when you fix this Andor! As I say, no ifs, ands, and or buts about it. Oh. I'm trying to work on that. I screwed it up already once. Do you, I mean, it's TV 14. Yeah. Do you think we'll see some Andor butts on this season? I hope it's a Scars Guard. I hope it's a Stellan Scars Guard. <laughs> Just full ass. The two A's back to back in the Scars Guard are each of the cheeks. <laughs> That's, right. That's why you need a double A. Oh, baby. A double A buttery here in Camp Scars Guard. Scars guard, scars guard, scar guard. Hey, this is WookieLeaks. It's our weekly reaction to the latest in Star Wars. I'm here with Tommy Bechtold. How you doing, Tommy? Oh, I'm excited. I'm ready. I'm getting, I mean, that, we we were lucky enough to see the first teaser at Celebration, but I, I love this gritty, in the trenches look at the rebellion. It's no longer, I've been saying all week, uh, uh, X-wing university that Luke went to, where everyone was like in college high fiving, like the uh, the uh, post grads. Like this is the raw rebellion, and we're gonna see it. I, I can't wait. I'm very excited. Yeah, uh, and the stakes will feel so high. I mean, there's so many new characters on this show. Uh, comparing it to like Obi Wan Kenobi, you can assume a lot of the key players in Obi Wan Kenobi were gonna make it out alive. So that kind of reduces stakes a bit. But here, I mean, other than Andor and Mon Mothma, the rest. Who knows? I mean, uh, you know, uh, Sagarera is going to show up. He'll be okay. But like Sagarera brings his own set of sticks. The right. guy's a freaking terrorist. But uh, the good kind of terrorist. And he's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So anyone around him in the room might die at any moment. He'd be like, strap this suicide bomb to your chest <laughs> and walk into that group of stormtroopers. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for your help. <laughs> Boom. Excellent. Well, it was worth it. <sighs> Thank you. Here's my <laughs> tentacle creature that reads minds. Borgullet! Borgullet and I are just going to get a moment alone in the back oh, room. Oh. Mm. He loves that Borgullet. Mm. They kiss for sure. He's going to be, this show's the deep. <laughs> the deep with Borgullet. <laughs> I was going to say, everyone gives the deep a hard time. Saul Guerrero, for sure, and <laughs> the Borgullet are, they got something going on. Confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this week, Tommy and I are talking Andor, everything we know about this series. And since this uh, last live-action Star Wars film, really, that I think the fandom still likes is uh, Rogue One, I think, you know, we're going to learn why a return of this era could be just what we need. So let's dive in. Tommy, what are we talking? Uh, what are we thinking this week? Eric, how the Babu Frick will Andor join the Rebellion, baby? <laughs> That's going to be the question that this first season answers. Uh, just a reminder, we're going to get two seasons of this, each of them 12 episodes. And uh, the t first 12 episodes are going to be this fall, starting July or starting August 31st, going through September and October. 
every Wednesday. We're gonna be getting a dose of Andor. So let's quickly break down everything we know about this Andor series starting August 31st. So Diego Luna is returning as Cassian Andor from Rogue One. Uh, these are gonna be the main events uh, leading up to Rogue One, the, the five years leading up to that event. Uh, we're gonna see Cassian start as a refugee from a Clone Wars era conflict, turning into a thief as an adult who starts really as a cynic to the political efforts of the rebellion, uh, but transitions into one of the most diehard rebels in this cause. Tony Gilroy is the showrunner of this show. He took over uh, really Rogue One from Gareth Edwards. And by most accounts, even though Lucasfilm doesn't really admit to it fully, that movie ended up being Tony Gilroy's movie more than Gareth Edwards' mm. movie, I think, at the end of the day. At least when it comes to the third act. Which is, incre which is incredible. <laughs> yes. It, uh, the fact that it was able to be as good as it was, mm. despite the behind-the-scenes like scramble, ridiculous. is uh, it's just a testament, I think, to Tony Gilroy's skills as a, as a storyteller. And vision, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and Gareth Edwards, I don't want to knock him. He's he's definitely a visual, uh, a brilliant artist. Like he, some of the sense, some of the shots of the Death Star being assembled and and Star Destroyers uh, orbiting them. That was all his his vision. The first scene is an incredible in Rogue One when uh, uh, what's his name? But what's the actor's name? Ben Ben uh, Mendelson Mendo. Mendo. When he shows up, oh, it's so it's like uh, Inglorious Bastards. It's the Star Wars equivalent of the Inglorious Bastards scene, where he's like, "I know they're there. <laughs> like, just show me where everyone is." But yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. So Genevieve O'Reilly is returning to Senator Mon Mothma, trying to affect positive change in a defunct Imperial Senate while secretly supporting a rebel insurgency. Of course, we mentioned Stellan Scars got Ard playing Luthen. An elder rebel commander. We we also know Fiona Shaw from Killing Eve and from the Harry Potter films is playing Marva, who's another elder rebel commander who has a great line in the trailer. That's what a reckoning sounds like. She's so good. Just looks crazy and looks amazing. Can't wait to see her mm. in these scenes. Forrest Whitaker confirmed to return at some point as Saw Gerrera, the rebel extremist leader of the Partisans. Uh, now onto the new characters. We don't know as much about Adria. Arjona is playing some unspecified rebel character just based off of the fact that she's wearing earth tones <laughs> in scenes and running. <laughs> Seems like something a rebel would yeah. do. There's another rebel character named Vel Sartha. And we only know that name because it came on like a toy release, but we see her briefly in the trailer spying on some stormtroopers that are marching past on this planet with the, the Beskar curfew bell. Uh, there's another insurgent or villager on that planet named Salman Pak. We got his name from the closed caption on the trailer. He's kind of telling his son or his younger brother, like, oh, go warn the others. Now, onto the baddies. Anton Lesser, we know him, yes. Quiburn from Game of Thrones, playing an Imperial officer. Just incredible actor. He's just infuriating to look at because you remember Game of Thrones. You're like, oh, that. Freaking guy. That guy's back. He's in this awesome looking white conference room. Mm -hmm. It just looks incredible. Now, judging from his badge of the five blue squares, I think that's the rank of, of senior captain oh, yeah. or maybe vice admiral. You know, it's not exactly clear. I know someone in the comments can be like, it totally is clear. But I'm just telling you, there's like, they change it. Someone's going to hammer you for this. <laughs> Denise Gauff or Goff or Gao or Goff. I don't know. Uh, she's playing an Imperial officer flanked by the death troopers in that one shot of the trailer. Some people are saying she looks like a younger Ellen DeGeneres. Mm. She does it. Maybe in that shot, the actress does not look like Ellen. Could just be an angle. Come on. I think she is uh, going to be part of the ISB, that's the Imperial Security Bureau, kind of like the uh, internal investigations, the SS, oh, what Krennic was involved with. And then Kyle Soler is playing a local patrolman on that planet named Cyril Karn. Seems like a bad guy at first because he's loyal to the Empire, but it seems like some of their atrocities may flip mm. up. 
may turn him. And then Robert Ems from Chernobyl, he's playing a character credit as Supervisor Jones. We see him briefly in the trailers wearing the white Imperial labor attire working in like a, an engineering department. He may be part of like the forced labor where they recruit all the scientists like they did with a Galen Urso. Mm. It may be part of some other kind of division that's making some other kind of weaponry. Mm. I wonder if he could be uh, involved with like building K2SO Ooh. or something like that. I think that'd be kind of fun to bring K2SO in. Yes. Right now, San Diego Comic-Con is happening and Lucasfilm has a pavilion there and revealed that new droid, that red roving droid that we saw in the salvage yard in the trailer. This guy's name is B2EMO, or they call him B2, or more simply B. This is a very old and weary ground mech salvage assist unit that's been towing scrap for the Andor family for years. The droid has a wide array of mechanical tools and various capabilities to meet the functions required. I wish they leaned into the emo part of his name. I wish his name was emo and he was like, Fall Out Boy is my favorite band. Uh, <laughs> it's like, B2, why did you put the bangs uh, over your eyepiece? Why are we listening to Dashboard Confessional, B2? Because I'm going through something. <laughs> <laughs> we also learned that the name of that scrap planet is Ferrix, F-E-R-R-I-X. And this is interesting. We learned from the San Diego Comic-Con panel that Cassian will have to go on a new mission to an unknown planet named Aldani. As part of his entry into the growing rebellion, Cassian Andor must undertake a dangerous mission on Aldani. That's what the placard reads. So, Tom, here's what I'm now wondering. We've had Star Wars missions, of course, to steal the Death Star schematics, to destroy the superweapon that Sabine had worked on, various other smaller missions we saw in Rebels. But what could be this mission in this series that gains Cassian in his entry to the rebellion that proves himself to Mon Mothma, to Saw Gerrera, to Luthen, and to Marva, and to himself? I wonder, I mean, because at this point, the last of the clone troopers are kind of gone, right? This point? Yeah. Uh, Rex is still around. That Probably that the, the freeloading one that Obi- I shouldn't say freeloading, the panhandling one that Obi-Wan runs into and Dayu is still around. Uh, yeah. Because my, my thought was maybe it's the deprogramming of the final, like, militantly mm. uh, loyal clone troopers and, like, somehow able to get them to, you know, get on your side or... I don't know. I mean, because he seems so jaded. Yeah, a mission with the Bad Batch, maybe yeah. like a team up with the Bad Batch, because I assume the Bad Batch are never going to die. They're always alive. And to, uh, Tim is going to play five yeah. of them. Uh, he's just going to be really beefed up for Crusher. Uh, he's going to be just really uh, quiet and thin for Crosshair. Fine by me. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to I mean, like the big weapons are out. So I guess maybe. It would have something to do with bases or and also whatever it is has to galvanize him to stop being ambivalent or cynical. Right. So it's uh, he's got to witness an atrocity. So I'm wondering if it is some sort of trooper training facility. You know, I wonder if he witnesses children being indoctrinated into the Empire. That that may be the mission. Agreed. Yeah, I think you're onto something, Tommy. I think the more human side of the atrocities that the Empire has committed is. Uh, something that we haven't explored as much. I mean, Rebels did to an extent, but in live action, we haven't really seen. We've seen like planets being destroyed by the Empire. Uh, we've seen like the weaponry, you know, obviously, but we haven't seen uh, the human rights violations. We haven't seen camps. Uh, and that's what, something that the show is showing us. It looks like we have like a forced labor camp. And I think liberating those soldiers or liberating those engineers or scientists is uh, is something that may... Uh, it'd be interesting to explore uh, saving a group of kids or something like that. Uh, uh, um, uh, yeah, freeing prisoners, liberating just a small planet or a small camp 
um, might make a huge difference for this character. Absolutely. Uh, saving people as a, like a, a mission that focuses more on bodies than guns. That's always going to. Yeah. And I think that 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 seems to that to me is a justifiable motivation to get him from going like, oh, I don't care. I just am trying to stay alive and thrive to like I'm actively fighting against the Empire now. So now an alternate pitch for this, Tommy, what if this mission is to convert K2SO? This could be the origin story of their friendship. That would be so amazing. Like how they get to know yes. each other. He goes to like K2SO has some information. He's able to like. Maybe he's stuck with K2SO and the fact that he's able to convert it and turn it into this uh, this ally in the rebellion. Maybe that is the this first season is the origin story of their friendship. That would be fine by me. I'd be 100 percent on board with that. I love K2SO. He's my favorite uh, droid, at, at least from Rogue One. He was my favorite character. So, uh, yeah, he's incredible. We didn't get enough time with with K2SO. Mm-hmm. Totally did not get enough time with him. All right. Other major Star Wars news dropped this week. Obviously, we're going to be talking Andor a lot, uh, especially when the show comes out in late, um, I don't know, April. I keep saying the wrong month, so I might as well stick with it. Comes out in August. Soon enough. <laughs> Soon enough. I can't I can't wait for it. I can't wait for another full trailer for it. But we want to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Tommy is officiating a wedding this week, <laughs> and details are still changing. Luckily, he has a therapist at BetterHelp to keep him from feeling out of control. <sighs> Very grateful for better help this week, Eric. I have to be honest. I, you know, I signed up. I was reluctant to get back into therapy, but boy, oh boy, is it keeping me grounded in a time of absolute chaos in my life. So thank you, better help. Awesome. Yes. See that you got a, a true testimonial right here on WikiLeaks. Signing up for BetterHelp takes just a few minutes, and by answering a few questions, you are on your way to getting therapy on your terms. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online, available to people worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you don't have to be on camera if you don't want to. And getting therapy every week is as easy as a few clicks on your laptop or phone. With therapy, it can take a few tries to find the right fit for you, but BetterHelp makes it easy and free to change your therapists if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. And they have a special offer for our listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Wookiee with two E's. That's 10% off your first month of online therapy at betterhelp.com slash Wookiee. All right, Tommy, some uh, pretty important information uh, about the sequel era of oh, the yes. Star Wars uh, franchise. We never really got a lot of questions answered about Rey's parents coming out of The Rise of Skywalker. There was this mystery where, you know, back from The Force Awakens, we had this flashback of Rey as a kid with Uncle Replut looking up at uh, uh, this ship, this transport leaving, and you assumed that her parents were on this ship. Uh, but we found out later that that was Ochi's ship, Ochi of Bestoon. This was the the bounty hunter that was tasked with tracking down uh, Ray's parents. And we, of course, Ray's father was a uh, Palpatine's clone, right? So that was that's kind of what made her Palpatine's granddaughter. But I think the confusing thing was like, well, we later found Ochi of Bestoon uh, like drowned in the sands of Pasana, a different planet. So what really happened there? Like, did uh, Ochi? track down Ray's parents on Jakku, but then just like leave without killing Ray. Like what, what exactly happened? Well, there's this new book out called shadow of the Sith that explained how we got to Pasana and gave us more details about Ray's parents. Uh, so what we learned, so this book is set 17 years after return of the Jedi, 13 years before force awakens uh, and it reveals that Ray's parents were named uh, Dathan and Miramir. Uh, and they actually from Jakku stole Ochi's ship. After he had tracked them down. So they were on his ship. Ochi was not on the ship when Ray was screaming up saying, come back. 
Um, so they left Ray behind, assuming that Ochi would uh, follow them and not think to continue looking around Jakku for anyone else. Ochi managed to track down Ray's parents and uh, uh, and and there was like a very important thing that Miramir, uh, Mir- I think is her name, did. She wore beads from the planet Pasana. Mm. Uh, so that led Ochi to the planet of Pasana instead of back to Jakku. And then when Ochi went to Pasana, then, you know, he, he drowned in the sand. Yes. And that's where he was found in the Rise of Skywalker. Um, so we, uh, in addition to this, of course, we learned the names of the parents. And we learn uh, why, like, how Dathan came about, or Dathan. Mm. Uh, so Dathan was seen as an abomination on Exegol among the Palpatine clones. But Palpatine would not let him be killed. Mm. Sheev. She, Soft spot. A, she, what a sweetheart. So he was able to make a friend and he was able to sneak off of Exegol and transport ship. Um, and he didn't have a name at this point. Um, you know, he's kind of like a Han Solo figure. He just kind of asked for a name at a spaceport <laughs> and then decided on Dathan. Dathan named, named after the, named after the guy who helped him. But they're like, I, I know a Nathan, but I never have met a Dathan. How do you feel about that? Perfect. <laughs> so what do you think, Tommy? Does this make you feel any better about the uh, Ray's parentage backstory in The Rise of Skywalker? Well, it makes more sense, right? Like, it kind of sews up why they would abandon her. It was a misdirect, right? Like, it was like their only choice was to give a, a fake trail so that this guy who is a bounty hunter, and, you know, in Star Wars, we know bounty hunters are ruthless. They don't stop until they get what they want or they die. That's basically the two options. They capture or they die. So... Yeah, I mean, it does help me kind of understand the scene where they're flying away and she's, you know, traumatized. And then even more so, the the uh, her mother, wearing, Miramir, Miramir, wearing the beads uh, is like some brilliant spycraft almost. So I like that. I wish they had fleshed it out in the movie, but I'm glad they fleshed it out now. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, it doesn't make me, uh, it doesn't really change my opinion on the movie that much. Because I, I will say, this isn't like a mystery, a long time mystery I had, uh, or that I was curious about yeah. from that movie. It was just kind of like yet another confusing plot decision from that movie that I just kind of had to kind of like distance myself from and just focus on the things about the sequels that I like. <laughs> yeah, just take it, just accept, just be like, all right. Yeah. But I uh, I do appreciate that they filled in this backstory mm. and it makes Ochi of Bethoon less of a Ochi of Bethoon yeah. because he, like, he's just a bounty hunter who's end up yeah. doing uh, good work yeah. and they just got fooled by uh, by some beads. Everybody slips up once in a while. Even Omar, the king of Baltimore's uh-huh. drug game, slipped up once, and it cost him his life. So That's right. If you take one thing from this episode, remember, Omar slipped up one time, and it cost him everything. Uh, well, we will leave it there for this episode of Wookiee Leaks. I cannot wait for Andor. Andor. Oh, God. I mean, there's going to be so much that we talk about in September. There's going to be like four different shows that we're covering. But Andor uh, will be there. She-Hulk, for- Andor. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's right. House of the Dragon Rings of Power. So much, so much. So, uh, but this one I'm very excited for. Yes. Uh, Tommy, I wanted to ask you, of those four shows, yes. you want to rank your excitement level for each one. So She-Hulk, Andor, Rings of Power, and House of the Dragon. I feel like it goes based on my intelligence. Like, Lord of the Rings is last just because it's too hard to read. <laughs> and then uh, I think it's probably Andor is top for me just because I I really am excited to see this other look at the rebellion that we haven't seen before more fleshed out you know kind of probably difficult hard to get through like a lot of people dying in the name of the rebellion 
And then She-Hulk is going to be a lot of fun. So that'll be two. And House of the Dragon, I hope pleasantly surprises me. That's that's my my hope for it. I hope I'm blown away by it. So I'm going to put it three. And like I said, Lord of the Rings, don't be so wordy, Tolkien. What were you thinking? Second breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, Tolkien Tolkien didn't write the, the era that they're that's now exploring. True. They're kind of like filling in the gaps between the first age and the third age. Yeah, they're just they're just they're just winging it. I like that. I wish I had gotten involved. I'd have been like a spaceship lands. I mean, they wish that they could be adapting the Cimmerillion, Tommy, but they just couldn't get the rights away from the Tolkien estate. That's the reality of it. I'm I'm too busy doing that in claymation. But I like if I had Tolkien, I'd be like Frodo <laughs> Baggins looks up at the sky. A ship breaches the atmosphere, shaped like a disc with a small indentation in the front. It is the Millennium Falcon. Han Solo and Frodo <laughs> embrace. The Khaleesi is also there. That, that's how I would do it. I think I think my excitement ranking goes number one, House of the Dragon, mm. um, because I think Fire and Blood is like the exact story reset we need for the Game of Thrones universe. Yes, I'll, I do agree with that. Yeah, that recent trailer got me super excited. I think the great. cast great is incredible. Actors, really good. The actors. money they're spending on it, the VFX on the dragons look incredible. Like. I'm super pumped for this show. I think it's gonna be great. Um, and they got like the best of the team. They got Miguel Sapochnik, they they got uh Ramin Jawadi, they got like the best people from Game of Thrones to work on this one. Yeah. Just just all 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 the good stuff, none of the gristle. Yeah. So I think it goes House of the Dragon and then Andor for mm-hmm. me. I mean, Andor, I'm just super, super excited yeah. for. Uh and then probably She-Hulk. Uh, I think She-Hulk's gonna be a lot of fun. I think it's gonna be really goofy. It's just it's just in general, these uh, the MCU Disney Plus shows, they've all been really fun vibes overall, but the stakes of them, just like it's so hard to know how much bearing this is going to have on the future of the MCU. So they're really, and sometimes some of these episodes, it feels like they're stretching themselves thin. Um, and so that's, I think I'm still going to enjoy it. And She-Hulk is being so heavily marketed as comedic that you're like, are they trying to warn us that there's not going to be a lot of like movement in the MCU from this show? Maybe, maybe. To me, the the tone is more like, hey, this is like Ally McBeal. Yeah. And I'm someone, I loved Ally McBeal. Uh, Iron Man, my friends, was an Ally McBeal. That was part of Robert Downey Jr.'s comeback tour was Ally McBeal. Without Ally McBeal, we wouldn't have Iron Man in the MCU probably, my friends. Or we'd have Iron Man, but we wouldn't have Tony, uh, Robert Downey Jr. We owe, we owe Callista Flockhart everything. We, we do. do, we do. Uh, 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 Jane Krakowski. Oh my God. Is it? Wait, not Jane Krakowski. Who am I? Yeah, she, yeah Jane she, from, Jenna there, from... Uh, who was the other... Yeah. There was, she was always singing. There was... Um, Greg Gurman was on there. Peter McNichols. The whole game. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a David E. Kelly jam, and uh, we should all go back and rewatch Ally McBeal. It was a ton of fun. We're gonna be covering. T- we're gonna be talking McBeal next week. <laughs> Counting down our twenty five favorite episodes. Yeah, the Beal deal. The Beal, uh, the Beal here on deal. McBeal deal. Do you Beal the way that I Beal? I mean, if McBeal Street could talk, she'd talk a lot about CGI dancing babies. Oh, yeah, hell yes, <laughs> that was a big part of the show. Baby, we're right in my my wheelhouse right now. And then uh, I'll probably rank uh, Rings of Power at the bottom, but I'm hoping Rings of Power surprises me. I'm Look, I'm super excited. I broke down that trailer, too, and there's so much in that show that I'm really excited to explore. I just, right now, I don't care about the Harfoots. Mm. Like, I, I wish that the Harfoots, yes. they seem to be such a big part of that show, mm-hmm. and I just think they, they, I'm just not that excited for them. Uh, I'm super excited for, like, Elrond, for the Numenorians, for uh, Galadriel, like... Uh, visiting Khazad Doom seems really cool. Whoever this meteor man is, probably Sauron. I'm I'm super excited for all that shit. I just 
if, I feel like we're going to get like six episodes of the Harfoots. And I'm just like, God <laughs> we're damn gonna it. are going to go deep in the Harfoots. <laughs> I can't. To be dense with Harfoots. It's just like, look, I'm rereading Fellowship right now. And I love Hobbit lore. I, I understand why Peter Jackson spent so much time in Hobbiton in the Shire. Because Hobbits rock. They're so fun. I, I, I love Hobbits. Hobbit culture rules. I don't care about the genealogical ancestors of the Hobbits. Mm, I have to agree with you. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, we'll see. I think all. I think we should do a check in every week just to see which uh, which of these shows had the best episode of that week because I think it's going to change week to week. Well, yeah. Let's keep the list fluid. Maybe things will rise. It'll be like a heat index. We're we'll like, what's coming in hot? Yeah, I used to do this with uh, with like when Thursdays on NBC had like. You had The Office, oh, you had yeah. Community, Parks and you Rack. had 30 Rock and Parks and yeah. Rec. I would like, with my friends, say which one had the best mm, episode yeah. that week. I'd watch all four and we'd have to see which one had the best. So yeah, well, it'll be a fun, look, we have lots of content we're covering <laughs> yes. all at once. I don't think Neurox has ever tried to do this much. An embarrassment of riches, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of WookieLeaks. Be sure to follow me at Ia Voss, follow Tommy at Tommy Bechtold, follow New Rockstar, subscribe to WookieLeaks wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for watching, and we, we have spoken.